You know, Jesus let Judas hold the money bag even though he was stealing it. So when we look at our sources and our jobs, it goes beyond that. I, I just got back from Juarez, and uh, my friend, he started this church in downtown Juarez, and it's a lot of homeless people, a lot of poor people. And then, But someone, a Seventh-day Adventist, sent him a check from another denomination, didn't even know what's going on. God's source is not the money bag. Jesus, when there was a need, Jesus didn't say, Judas, how much is in there? He never asked Judas how much was in the money bag. He went to his father. He took the bread. He blessed it, and he broke it. When he said there's not enough, he said, bring it to me. So whatever financial needs you have, or he said, bring it to me. And he blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it away. Amen. So, yes, we're thankful for our jobs. We're thankful for the sources. But if you think that's the only source that's going to bless you, you're limiting God because he has ways that you don't know. Amen. Uh, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. That word look in the Greek has two parts. First of all, it means to look away from something, then to look to something. When I'm fasting, I can be looking at my Bible, but really looking at food, thinking. So it's not just what you're physically looking at today. So before I preach this morning, we want to look away from whatever you've been looking at and look unto Jesus. Because I'm going to talk about the blood and I'm going to talk about the veil. It's a heavy subject. We're going to scratch the surface because I believe healings are going to increase uh, I felt like healings are going to increase. There are going to be more healings, uh, amazing miracles, and it's going to come faster than people thought. But when it does, he wants to know it's on the blood. It's not on how good we are. It's not how long we prayed. It's on the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was, there was the traveling tabernacle, and they put up the tabernacle, and there was the holy. God says holy, and then there was the holy of holies. It was always holy to God. Aaron's sons put up strange fire, and both of them, God killed them. And he told Aaron, tell Aaron, he's telling Moses, tell your brother not to come to me any old way and any old day. It's a day of atonement. There's a holiness. But the priests were Levitical priests. But Jesus was not from the tribe of Levite. He was from the tribe of Judah. God only accepted the tribe of Levites. So when the day of atonement would come, the high priest would put away all his beautiful, colorful garments, the blue. He'd take off the ephod. He'd take off that and only wear linen. It's holiness. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, and he came in, and there was no bells, there was no rope, there was no nothing. But how did he know? And God says when he comes in, he has to make a sacrifice first for himself, then for his family, then for the people. Jesus didn't have to make a sacrifice for himself. It was all for you. There was not for him. There was nothing for him. He didn't leave heaven for him. First for you, then your family, then the people. Then when he put the blood on, he'd have to put the blood on the altar, and there was the mercy seat. Notice it's not the judgment seat, it's the mercy seat. If there was no mercy, he couldn't even enter. So he'd cross through the veil, and God says, no one else is allowed in the tabernacle at that time. Not on the inner, not on the outer, one man. Because if there's any, they're dead. So think about it, how, how scary it must be when, no, your sons drop dead, and then you had to enter in. After the blood, the Bible says he had to take coals from the altar and two hands of crushed fine incense and put them together. Jesus was crushed for us. He is the burning coals. He is the intercession. Intercession means prayer. What's Jesus doing now? Praying for you. And God says, lest he die. So even after the blood, there had to be incense. And God says, I will, God was not in the box. He says, I will appear above the box in the cloud on the mercy seat. But if there was not incense, that man was dead. Notice the power of the blood. First of all, he wasn't a Levite. He was a Judah. His blood was so pure, God accepted. He said a new covenant. Did away with the old. If you read what Paul says, he says Moses didn't even mention the Levitical. 
So we're going to talk about the blood, and we're going to talk about the veil, because the veil was ripped when Jesus died and says, Father, Father, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's when the veil was ripped. Jesus was separated from the Father, so you don't have to be. When they put the crown on his thorns, he didn't say, why have you forsaken me? When they whipped him, he didn't say it. When they crucified him, they didn't say it. When the presence of God, his father, that we're not used to, we, we, we come in and we sense a little bit and we sense a little bit. And just like the veil, we keep it back there. It was last week and everything is back there and behind the veil. So when the presence left, when his father left him, that's when he cried out, why have you forsaken me? Son, I must turn away from you so I can turn to them. So whatever, but notice after the veil was ripped from top to bottom, notice man didn't rip it to heaven. Heaven ripped it to man. And it was beautiful, and it was blue, and it was thick. When I say veil, that's really a wrong word. It's curtain. It's not something you can see through. It was a thick. So only the high priest would come, only wearing white. He'd put away. Jesus humbled himself. He put away his divine rights. He put away, and he didn't never put away his divinity, but he put away his divine rights, and he humbled himself as a man. So he came and everything, not knowing what they were doing. But the next time they had an offering, now they have a veil that's ripped. And I thought about it this week for the first time. They had to repair the veil to keep doing what they're doing. Whatever is blocking you, whatever is hindering you is not from him. It's from you or Satan or sin. So they had to repair and keep doing, and everything remains back there. Entire, entire denominations have kept signs, wonders, and miracles back there. So the veil was ripped. The Holy Spirit was released. The book of Acts, he came on the people, Gentiles who didn't even understand the law because God fully accepted the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to read you some scriptures. Lest you say this isn't the word, but if you read in the book of Hebrews and do your own study, the word priest is mentioned more times than any other book in the Bible because Jesus is our high priest. And Paul begins to explain some of the things and touch on some of the things of why our high priest. And everything was symbolic of Christ. Amen? The ark being wood overlaid with gold. You see his humanity overlaid with divinity. Everything points to Jesus. There's nothing that. So when we look onto Jesus, it means to look away from what you're looking at and look onto him. It's to focus your mind, will, and emotions on Jesus. So yes, miracles will increase in here and signs and wonders and everything, but we must know it's because of the blood of Christ that he paid the way. Everything is not back there. And people say, where's your best days? Back there. Where's your glory? Back there. Where's the best service? Back there. Everything becomes behind the veil. So that man had to repair what God ripped so he could keep doing what he's doing. And entire denominations have to cancel signs, wonders, and miracles, and they put all the miracles back there. Where are prophets? Back there. Where are apostles? Back there. And he's not back there anymore. They, they sewed the curtain, but the Holy Spirit was already released. See, whether they say it or not, he's released on you. You can have as much as you want. You can have his presence when you leave here today. He doesn't live in the tabernacle. He doesn't live in church. He's not waiting for you next Sunday. When your child is sick, He's on you and in you, and you can go in. No longer is he just before you or behind you. He's in you and with you. That's the power of the blood. And when you ask for healing, friends, I've, I've prayed with people, and they begin to pray, Lord, you know this is a good man. He served you for a lot of years. The healing has nothing to do with that. God can heal a sinner. It's because of Jesus. 
Jesus healed because he cares about people. He actually does. He just doesn't love crowds. He loves people. He went to the woman at the well, one woman, one conversation. She went from an outcast to an evangelist. So any blockage that you can't receive from God or feel God or know God or talk to God, it's not on his end. The veil was ripped. The spirit was released. And man had to repair and fix and act like he's still back there. When he was no longer back there, he's right here. And so when God looks at you, when you pray to God and you bring your request to God, it's not how good you are and how right you are. It's you're standing with Christ. And when we stand and give an account to Christ, that, that day everything is done. The Bible says, and the books were open and the court sat. And one of the books is the book of remembrance. Those that talked about God often were in the book of remembrance. And it says their name were not blotted out of the book of life. See, when you get saved, see, the book of life, God puts everybody's names in there. Your name gets only blotted out when you reject him. It was always his desire for everybody to get saved. It's not a blank book where he writes names. The names are already there. He wills that all would be saved. Your name is blotted out when you reject him. And it's not when you reject him, it's when you go to death and reject him. But you never know people's last thoughts. People say, oh, they're saved. John. You never know people's last thoughts. Never. I don't judge. So I want to read... Philippians 2, 5 through 9, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And, found, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Leviticus 12, 16, we talked about it. I want to read it. Then he's, the high priest shall take a censer. After he applies the blood on the day of atonement, the one day, the one priest, in just white linen garments, then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. So he puts the incense on the coals, and the coals make a, a sweet-smelling incense, and, and it blocks the mercy seat from seeing the man. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. See, God fully recognized it was not, it's not his son's blood. He said, I'm giving you another year, because see, justice must be paid. God is just and he's merciful. He didn't change. He didn't become nicer in the New Testament. Justice always had to be paid. So the sin had to be paid for. So since he's just, justice would say, I want to be paid. But since he's merciful, he says, I want to show mercy. So justice is pulling on this side. Mercy is pulling on this side. Where did they meet? On the cross. See, it's a bloody cross. I know I've been to churches around the world, and, you know, they're, they're great, magnificent. I've seen gold crosses. I've seen silver crosses. But, friends, it was a bloody cross. When I walk in Protestant churches, I see sanded crosses, stained crosses, but it was a bloody cross. And they put the red, you know, cloth on the cross all night. It was a violent, violent death. When the Passion of the Christ, people were mad that says, oh, it's too bloody. Actually, it wasn't bloody enough if you read the scriptures because you couldn't even recognize him as a man. We don't like that part. But only Jesus 
can take what was a sign of death and make it a sign of victory. Because after Jesus, then armies would put the flags on their flag, victory, but they'd put it around their neck. So whatever death is in your life, when you apply the blood, that can be a place where you actually have victory. That sin can be a place where you actually help other people. See, whatever you put the blood on changes it. The blood doesn't change it. I've cut myself working with carpentry, and when you put blood on wood, it's very distinct. It looks different. I've never seen a bloody cross, but it was a bloody cross because we want to make it nice and beautiful, but it took the blood to pay the price. See, justice had to be paid, so God was satisfied. So when you come to him in prayer, when you lift your hands in worship, when you see, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you were. That's like seeing, that's like saying, seeing an eagle in the sky and going, look at that egg. Is that an egg? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Or a car driving down the road. Look at all those parts. No, you were a sinner saved by grace. But once you were saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You're a child of God. You can call him daddy. You can enter in. The veil was ripped. There is no separation. So whatever is blocking you or preventing you from going any further, it's not on his end. It's not on his end. So men have taught men and other men and other men, and they go to Bible college and they learn because they have degrees and the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus says, it's been said, but I say, And so the Holy Spirit can come on a child that doesn't have any knowledge of Scripture. The Holy Spirit can come on a sinner when you pray for him and heal him because they don't have any knowledge of Scripture because God's reaching out and he sees his son Jesus. See, no longer do we have to have incense or blood or smoke because Christ is interceding and he's the incense and he laid the blood and he paid the price and the veil was ripped. It didn't rip when he rose from the dead. It ripped when he died and the blood was applied. That's when it ripped. It didn't rip when he went to heaven and presented himself. To it, it, it ripped as soon as the blood was done. He says, it is finished, and he gave God his spirit. Amen? Exodus 26, 31 and 33. Then you shall make a veil woven of purple, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. You shall hang it upon the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. The hook shall be gold upon four sockets of silver, and you shall hang the veil from the clasp. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for for you between the holy place and the most holy. It was the veil between the holy and the most holy. And when they moved the ark, they would actually take that veil down and cover the ark so people couldn't even see it. See, we think you show pictures of people moving the ark. That's not actually how they did it. They took the veil down, put it over the ark, and then they moved it. See, you can't see it. See, it's only for the high priest. You can't enter in. It's only for the high priest. But Jesus, our high priest, says all. All who are willing, come to me. Paul says in Hebrews, Christ's flesh was the veil. That's what he says. So since Christ gave his flesh, then there's no longer a veil. Come unto me, all that are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Jesus preached for all to be saved. Everybody in here has one ministry that's the same. That's the, that, that's the ministry of reconciliation. You've been reconciled and you can reconcile. You, you know, I know we say evangelism, but it's really the ministry of reconciliation, that you can reconcile others because you've been reconciled. And when you talk to them, it's about Jesus. It's not about them. It's not about their past. So whatever situation, whatever situation you can put, their past, their sins, whatever, how long the sickness has been, how long the disease has been, you can put it right there, and then you can put the blood of Jesus. Which one has more weight? The blood of Jesus. You can put all the sins of the whole world on one side of the scale, and on this side, his blood outweighs them all. All. He never runs out. He doesn't have any power. You know what? If you walked in and you're a visitor, 
It says, taking it back. Beginning of this year, God says, take back everything the enemy has stolen from you. And on the bottom it says, we take back in the name of Jesus. See, say, say, praying in the name of Jesus or saying the name of Jesus is not say, just saying the name of Jesus. It's saying, Jesus Christ, by the authority, this is his will at this moment for you. See, it's not just saying the name of Jesus. It's like praying in the name of Jesus because he says, whatever you hear, if you pray according to his will, I hear you. And if I hear you, have what I have. Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. Courtney, can you please pray for me? All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, I will take of mine and give it to you. That means when the veil was ripped, guess what? Everything the Father has is yours. Everything heaven has is yours. All the joy. No, no one's depressed in heaven, right? No one's acting, where's my needs going to come from in heaven? No, all that has. So I don't know what has prevented you from fully entering, and I'm not talking about salvation. See, we get saved, and we're like, okay, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, but everything else is back there. Miracles is back there. Healings is back there. And when I get to heaven, then I'll walk in the fullness of God. Jesus walked in joy more than anybody. How? Because he was connected to the Father. He had to die on the cross. See, but he had, he, how, how could that be? How could I be in this situation? How? Because I look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I turn my eyes from away from whatever it is. It doesn't mean we don't ignore those things or say it doesn't exist. It's saying this has more weight. This has more power. This has more. So the blood came. The high priest put it on. And see, Jesus presented himself. And as soon as he said, why have you forsaken me? He says, it is finished. The veil was ripped at that moment. And it was an earthquake. I'm going to read you guys the scripture. Matthew 27, 45 through 53. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was a darkness over all the land. This is when Jesus was dying. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Notice they call him a man. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered to him. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It wasn't a partial terror, friends. It's not, not given partially of himself. The whole thing was ripped. And if you have something heavy and it rips, it's going to separate. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. See, they before Jesus... There was the saints of old, because they weren't righteous enough to be in God's presence, they were in a holding tank, Abraham's bosom. But when Jesus died, it was released. See, when he died, everything that would needed to be resurrected could be resurrected. So what in your life, besides just your salvation, needs to be brought back to life again? See, if we're taking it back, it can't be just back there. It has to be right here. See? So, they, so the veil was ripped. I'm going to repair the veil, and I'm going to keep doing what we've always did, not realizing what he's done. See, we don't have to keep doing what we always do. We don't have to keep thinking the way we're always thinking. The low-level acceptance of just, if I can just get a healing, if I could just touch him. No, 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 he's here today. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, our faith. 
the one that still writes chapters, the one that doesn't stop in chapter 4 or chapter 5. Lord, I thank you. We're looking on to Jesus. We're not looking on to John. We're not looking on to the sermon. We're looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our, our faith. The only one from the lion of the tribe of Judah. In Revelation 5, it says, no one was worthy to open the, break the seals and open the scroll. No, there's one that found worthy. Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. His blood enables you to have your prayers answered. His blood enables you to have the presence of God on your life. Friends, that's better than anything else is the presence of God. La diferencia en su vida es la presencia del Señor. The difference in your life is the presence of God. And it's not just like Moses where he goes before us. He's with us. See, Jesus came. What did they call him? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's in you today. And wherever you're at, Jesus is there. And he manifests himself in different ways. And his glory comes in different ways. But Lord, I thank you. There is no separation on your end. So whatever we have thought we repaired or patched or thought, I've always lived like this. Dad said this. Mom said this. I, this is, you know, it's for the church. Revival's just for a building. No, Lord, I thank you. Revival is for our lives, even when we're driving down the street. I thank you when our child is sick, we can enter their room with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. I can pull from heaven to earth because he's in me. He's in me and he's on me. I don't have to go to a priest. I used to have to go to the priest. Moses, when you come down to the mountain, what did God say? What was the sermon on Sunday? No, no, no. What did God say to you Tuesday when you were just sitting with him? Moses, come down and tell us what God said. The veil rips so you don't need Moses. There's no separation between you and him. On his end. On his end. So yes, signs, wonder, miracles going to be increased, but lest we think it's because of our own goodness. No, it's the blood. In the New Testament, there was two disciples that healed, and they go, why do you look at us like it's our own spirituality? It's because of Jesus. You can fight with somebody, be angry, and pray with someone, and the anointing will come. Why? Because God loves people. So Lord, I thank you. We look unto Jesus. That means we don't look unto ourselves either, what we've done, our past, and how long I've been broke, or how long we've fought, or how long this marriage has been in ruins, or how long I've been single, or how long I've been depressed. God, we look away from that. We look unto Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, that one that entered one time, not again. It was a, And Paul says they had to keep making sacrifices because God was never satisfied. Justice just let it go for a year. Sooner or later, justice had to be paid. It was on the cross that justice says, okay, I'm satisfied. It was on the cross where mercy says, I'm satisfied. 100% justice, 100% mercy. It was a bloody cross. No goats, no bulls, no sheeps. Jesus was the perfect. And he set aside his divine rights where he could have called down angels and he went in alone. Moses, you tell your brother, his son's died. You tell him, don't come to me any day, any way. Once a year, and this is how he'll come. And if he comes, I'll accept him, but let him blight the incense after the blood, lest he die. Because the mercy seat saw the incense. But when Jesus appeared to the Father, the Father saw the Son with no, no smoke, no barrier. So, Lord, I thank you, you ripped the veil. Some of you have a veil of revelation of who really Jesus is, and he wants to tear that from the top to the bottom to show you who he really is, not who you think he is. It says, wait in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and there was tongues of fire and they fell on the Gentiles and they fell on other tongues and other races. So Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you. You're not just an American. You see every tongue. You see every race. You see those that are human trafficked. You see the high CEO. You see everybody. Lord, you love everybody. 
God doesn't love people more because they have a, a worse past or he cares. No. But, Lord, I thank you for compassion because here's the truth. We all, none of us can fully handle the full, full heart of God. So he shares pieces with us. Some of you will go to countries that will just burn. Some of you will have But guess what? It's always on God's heart. It's always on God's heart. So he shares with that. So, Lord, I thank you we're kingdom people. We're not just about ourselves. I thank you we can sit with you on a Wednesday and hear from you just as clear as if you're sitting right next to us talking because there's no barrier. Lord, I thank you we'll begin to step out in faith and pray for people even in the streets. Lord, and I thank you we know that your presence is with us. God is always with us. He's in you. He's on you. He's in you. He's on you. Lord, I thank you. You don't live in church. You're here for us. You're here for us. That's why two or three are gathered there. I am in the midst. He didn't say, where are you going to meet? He just said two or three. See, he just, he just needs a couple. He just needs a couple stones, Chris, to get together and start a spark. Here's the truth. We've lived away. See, we can be religious. Charismatics can be religious. So there they were. There they were every year, every year, every year. We've always lived like this. Oh, the veil is ripped. Let's put it back together. Every year I've lived like this. Oh, that was a great Sunday last Sunday or the Sunday before. God did something supernatural. Yes, he heals. He's sovereign. He can do. But everything's back there. Everything. My best days are back there. My best health is back there. Everything behind the veil. Jesus, I thank you for ripping the veil. And the Spirit was released. It just wasn't a show. God's saying, I'm no longer contained here once a year for one person, one man. It's for women. It's for children. It's for those that have never been to Bible college. It's those that had a homosexuality and confused genders. Who else can take someone with a sinful life? In one moment, you're the kingdom of darkness. And the next moment, your kingdom of light. That's the power of the blood. So, Lord, I thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles increasing, Jesus. But I thank you when they do, we recognize it's because the price you paid. And we're not going to keep you behind the veil. Where's the best days for the epicenter? Back there. Where's the best days for me? Back there. No, no, no. Here. Here. And God doesn't ignore grief. or He doesn't just gloss over. He comes to heal you in that area. And some of us need to let some things go. We bury Moses, he's dead, and we resurrect the bones. So we need to speak life to what he's speaking life to and what he wants to bury. We need to keep going back to the grave and read the tombstone. This is the day it was here, and here's the day it was died. So Lord, I thank you for whatever veil we put up, whatever curtain we put up that you've ripped, that we will not try to replace it. And actually, we can leave that place knowing Jesus is with us. He's with us when we go to school. He's with us when we're just sleeping. But I thank you, you manifest yourself in greater ways, Lord. I thank you for your glory coming in greater ways. But it's because the blood of Jesus. You know, people say, oh, I apply the blood here and I apply the blood here. We don't really know what we're saying or thinking. Yes, we can do that, but we must understand the value of it. That he's already in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. When you receive Christ, everybody that's received Jesus, he's in you. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Then you get baptized, he comes on you. That's how powerful the blood is. He goes in you and he goes on you. 
and he empowers you to become witnesses, not to become showboats. Look, I can prophesy and I can lay hands on the sick. No, Lord, I thank you. This place is a witness. We have been called to reconciliation. Lord, I thank you for breaking our hearts, people that cut our hair, mow our lawn, the same people we've seen for 15, 10, 5 years and never said one thing about Jesus. The only thing they know is you go to church on Sunday. God, help us be marked by you by coals and incense, not on the day we celebrate you, but the day what we carry. time how much time in the service how much time in your life lord i thank you you're the redeemer of time thousands of years over 30 prophecies jesus condensed it in three and a half years ma'am that's sitting right there i don't know your name but god's a yes god's a redeemer of time i thank you for redeeming time in your life things that you've put down and lost and you thought are never going to come back again lord i thank you for redeeming time in her life I thank you for the redemption of time, even coming into here today. Lord, I thank you that he's the redeemer. It's not just a name or a title. It's one of the things he does. And he can take what was lost and bring it back again, just like the fragments. Bring it to me so nothing is lost. Twelve baskets. So, Lord, I thank you. Everything that you thought you've lost or it's gone or it's too late, I thank you, Lord, for redeeming in her life and all of our lives. Because time, one of the veils is time. Lord, I thank you. Our latter can be greater than the former. I thank you every sickness Every disease, if you guys, if you need to go, you can go. I still have five more minutes if I want it. I don't want to hold you here long, but here's the truth. Some of you have been praying for the same thing in the area of sickness over and over and over again, and you've seen no change. God, I thank you. We look to you today. We don't look how long we've prayed or how long we've had it or how long it's been there or how big it is or what the doctor says. Because you know the death sentence? People say, oh, it's a death sentence when you're going to pass away. It's also a death sentence when we say things like, it'll never change. That's also, it's death in the sentence. That's death in the sentence. And Jesus came to bring life. We have death in our sentence. It'll never change. I'll never be, it'll never have a baby, never this, never go to that country, never have money. That's death in the sentence. Lord, I thank you. You've eradicated death. No longer shall we have death in the sentence. Never, no, no, too late. No, 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 no. You eradicated death. Jesus is not waiting in heaven for just his sons and daughters. He's wanting to display himself on the earth now. Because guess what? Sooner or later, the ark door shuts. And the rain comes. And if you look at end times, the rain has started. And if you even want to say the ark is floating a little bit, but there's still time. See, all these signs. John, what about this sign? What about that sign? And this gospel will be preached around the world. And it's only a partial gospel if you say Jesus died for your sins. That's the only partial gospel. Because he died so you're, for your sins so that you can be reconciled to God. That part's established, dying for your sins. What's not established is you being reconciled to God. You must respond to his reconciliation. It's only part, Jesus died for your sins. Yes, yeah, so that you can be reconciled to him. So that you become his son and daughter. So that you can sit and hear his voice and wrap your arms around him and say, Daddy, Father, what was lost in the garden, we're taking it back. Jesus took back what Satan stole in the garden. We're just following our Savior. We're just following Jesus. We're not making anything new. He took back everything Satan stole. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. He came down once a day to walk with Adam. Guess what? Because of Jesus, it's not just once a day he's on your life. It's 24-7, whether you feel him or not. 
He didn't come. He's not coming down once a day, once a Sunday, once a Sunday. Oh, Jesus, come, fill our, yes, there's corporate worship, yes. But we need to learn how to sit with God in our own time and sense his presence and feel his words and feel his wind behind us to walk with him. I'm not waiting for Moses to come down and talk to me. Jesus already died. I'm not waiting for another priest. Nayeli, I'm not waiting for another adult just to pray or lay. We love it. But Jesus is here. Moses, what did God say? And they stood at their tents and watched the glory. He doesn't want you watching. Watching me is not the ministry. He's equipped you to do the work of the ministry. So when you leave these doors and you're getting your hair cut, let me tell you about someone I've never told you about. Jesus. Because everybody you see, friends, is going to stand before him one day. Every waiter that serves you, every boss you work for, they all have an expectancy on their life. And you could be their only court of hope. Joshua was going out to Jericho in the promised land. And there was harlot. There was a harlot Rahab. And she says, okay, I'll give you safety. And he says, I'm going to hang the scarlet cord from your window. And when I see the scarlet cord, I'll know it's safe. That word's an interesting word because I studied it. There's only one time it's translated as cord. And that, actually that verse, scarlet cord. Every other time it's translated the word hope. The scarlet hope. It's only one time, Paul. It's a cord. Every other time it's hope. Jesus is our scarlet cord of hope. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a scarlet cord that runs through this book, friends. His name is Jesus and it's blood. It wasn't a plain cross or a clean cross or a varnished cross or a sanded cross. It was a bloody cross. It was a violent death. And because of his blood, that scarlet cord is reaching out so we can grab it and hold it and he can bring us to safety. But you have to respond to it just like salvation. And there's many doors in our heart. Lena talked about our doors. We think, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus didn't kick the door down. You have to let him in. And there's other areas you have to let him in. Open up and I'll, what does it say? Open up and I'll fellowship with you and you with me. So Lord, I thank you. There's more days you're not, there's more doors you're knocking on our heart. There's greater revelation for some of you. There's greater healings for some of you. And he's knocking on your door today and say, open up. But I've always heard that knock and that's for another Sunday or another sermon or that's when I go to this revival or this conference. Lord, I thank you. You're knocking on our heart today and we fully open up and say, spirit, come in. God, I thank you we as a people are beginning again to hear your voice in a clear way. Not so we can just show off and do stuff, so we can know you. Yes, we want to pray accurate. Yes, I'm going to this conference coming up. It's about the prophetic. Yes, I'm going for three days. I paid money and it's a trip and it's, you know, but I go, I'm going there to be more, you know why? Because I want to give more words to people in the streets. That's why. Why? So when you give words, you say, look, I know that word was right, but let me show you why it was right. There's a God that actually cares about you. Because it's not just about you healing. You can get a prophetic word and be healed and never know him. All that's to bring you to know him. There's people that come in here, get a prophetic word, leave, don't, and nothing else to do with them. Thanks. People that come in and get healed, thanks. Jesus did not die just so you could be healed or get a prophetic word. He died so you know the Father. And he said, everything the Father has is mine. Everything the Father has today is yours. All the joy, all the hope, all the revelation, all the victory, all the wisdom. But the veil's been ripped, and you can repair it and keep doing what you're doing. It's always been like that. Those are spiritual people. 
No, for this person or that person, but what about me? So, Lord, I thank you. For some of you, you know, last week Lena says, I hear that the worship is too late. You know, actually, it's your time. So I thank you. No more death in our sentences, God. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. No matter how young you are, you look at your future. You know how many young kids don't want to have kids today? Because they look at the future. But God says, I desire a godly offspring. Lord, I thank you we'll have every baby you tell us to have, regardless of what the world says. I thank you we'll go to every country that you tell us to go, regardless of what the world says, what the economy says. I thank you we will give whatever you tell us to give, regardless of what our bank account says or what mom said or dad says or how broke they were. Lord, I thank you we're going to walk in the fullness and the revelation of Jesus Christ, in the wisdom and revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a person. It's not just a thing. It's not a prayer you say. It's a person you know. It's the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father. They said it's a good thing. Lord, I thank you. Everybody in here that's hearing my voice will not say, oh, that's a good message. No, they will say, you know what? I need to spend more time with him. Why? So I can take a little, no, so I can get to know him better. When you're in love with somebody, especially new people, I'm not going to mention any names. What do they do? They want to spend a lot of time with him. Some of you have lost your first love. When you really love Jesus, you want to actually spend time with him and say no to this and no to that so you can say yes to Jesus. No, I know sometimes it's hard to get started, but once you get started driving that well and that spring comes up and that oil comes up, then you want to stay there. When you're really in love, you'll drive four hours to meet them. When you're really in love, you'll pay the price. When you're really in love, you'll work all night and the next day go see them in the morning. Love will make you do things that naturally you wouldn't do. When we really love Jesus, we will put aside the old. No, that's the veil. That's the temple. It doesn't need to travel with us anymore. I don't need to cover the ark. It's for everybody. When you're really in love, you'll make those sacrifices. You'll walk away from Netflix and turn off those things. And I'm not saying you watch bad stuff. I'm saying time wasters, time wasters, time wasters. When you're really in love, you will pay the price to be with that person. But what happens is, then people get comfortable. I know them. I got them. But with Jesus, friends, it's not like your marriage partner. There's always another depth. John thought he knew Jesus when the veil was ripped in heaven. He couldn't even stand. So I thank you today. This message is not about, oh, break out in the church. This message is break out in your home. This message is about you. I have the ark. I don't have to go to a certain place. I don't have to wait for a certain person. I don't have to be in a certain spot. And I believe in revival. I believe in I believe in all that. But I'm not sitting there waiting for the next move. I'm not sitting there waiting for Moses. When's the next podcast? When's the next thing? Jesus, speak to us. Just close your eyes. You guys, quit looking at me. Lord, I thank you. Everybody close their eyes. Lord, I thank you that people that hear this message or don't know you, they can know you in a moment saying, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me so I can be reconciled to the Father, so I can be your son and I can be your daughter and so I can know you, not just so I can go to heaven. We don't want to just enter heaven as a God we don't know. No. No longer will we say it's back there. Where's all your hope? Behind the veil. Where's all your peace? Behind the veil. No, he's here. Where's all your joy back there? When I get to a good service, I'll experience it, and then it will leak out. And she sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, she has picked the best part. So, Lord, I thank you. We're going to have healings and revivals and signs and wonders and miracles, but that does not take the place of individually sitting with you, Lord. I don't need Moses to come down the mountain. I'm thankful for the men and women in my life and the future ones coming because of the Holy Spirit. I can sit with him. I can talk with him. I can lay my, lift up my hands. And when we bring our prayers to him, it's not because we had a good week or a good day or a good year or a good life. 
It's because he has a good son and a good savior, Jesus, and because of that, he accepts us. So, Father, I thank you that miracles, signs, wonders, healing, salvations are going to increase. And when they do, we'll fully recognize it's because the high priest that came the one time is fully accepted and the veil was ripped. I thank you, Lord. You don't heal because it's a good message or a good sermon. You don't heal just because, oh, we played a certain way. No, you heal because you love people and you paid the price to heal them. And this is a house that doesn't keep that behind the veil. But nor do we want to keep joy behind the veil, your best days behind the veil, or anything else. See, it's not enough just to be saved. And, oh, I believe signs, wonders, and miracles, and I speak in tongues. You actually, there's actually a lot more to that. There's actually a lot more to that. Those are just the beginning. The book of, book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit poured out, then they went out. He poured out, then they went out. And sitting in your home, when your child's sick, you have just as much rights for a healing as anybody else. Reinhard Bunke, some of you told this, I heard the story when he was going to bring this great healing evangelist and he was going to bring salvation. The healing evangelist left. And Reinhardt says, I got some bad news and good news. The bad news is he left, but Jesus is here, began to preach, and a lady stood up and says, I'm healed. Jesus was saying, Reinhardt, I told him to leave because I don't want you to be relying on him. And what he was known for in the Crusades were a million people was, was miracles. People would come for miracles for Africa. People that weren't even saved, they came for healing. So, Lord, I thank you that healing is, is your signing card to say, my goodness is here, my mercy is here, the incense above the mercy seat. Lord, I thank you. You just don't heal just so we have a testimony. You heal because you actually care. I just When I got back from Juarez this last time, my friend sent me a picture the time before. I was praying for people, and there was a couple hours, and people were standing in line. One lady stood up, and she didn't want anything for herself. She goes, my little sister, she was probably in her 30s, my little sister is in the hospital leukemia so I prayed for her and I just kept thinking about her and praying for her and asked questions asked questions finally my buddy sent me a picture says look she's in church God healed her from leukemia now I know just it wasn't my prayers but I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it why God was thinking about it he's thinking about you right now I kept thinking about it thinking about it it wasn't a prayer where I told her to go sit down how's she doing how's she doing no he's still thinking about it Jesus says it is finished he didn't say I am finished he is interceding at the right hand of the father for you his prayer of incense is Christ he's the ark he's the gold he's the wood he goes look it's gone leukemia there she is sitting in church there she is sitting in church no degree on her wall no bible college no phd didn't live a good life she wasn't a missionary jesus healed her because he loves her and he healed her because he paid the price so when we ask for prayer it's not how good we are how smart we are or what we've done or how long we've served god Jesus, it's your blood. Why are we going to have revival? Because you said and your blood said and you paid the price. So we're contending for what you've given us. We're not contending for stuff. We're not just making a revival so we can have people. No, so we can have souls that are people that are actually going to heaven. Missionaries that can be sent out. People that love God. Older people that come in and say, you know what? I want to be a part of something bigger than me. And I have maybe this many years left. I want God to redeem those years. So, Lord, I thank you. I know we pray a lot for young people. I'm just going to pray for the old people. Lord, I thank you for the elder people coming in. And it's not just their checkbook, but it's their impartation in their hearts and their love and their life for the next generation. That they won't be jealous and say, no, do more than I've done. Go farther than I've gone. I care about what the, the, the kingdom of God being sent out. So I pray that you guys will begin to sit and say, there's no barrier. And it's not about feelings, but we do feel him. Conviction is a feeling. So it's not just to discount every feeling. Peace is a feeling. 
Joy, you feel joy. I'm joyful. No, you feel it. So, Lord, I thank you for even in those areas, people like, I don't feel, I don't sense. I thank you would begin to sense your presence. Even in unique times where we don't call on you, he's calling on you. Chelsea, he's calling on you. He's going to call on you in different ways when you didn't call on him. Moses didn't choose to be who he was, but the Spirit of God is coming, calling on you, and he's coming you to call you into a higher place. And I know that, you know, the Bible says we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. So, Lord, I thank you for directing her steps, even in the ways of ministry, outside your education or thing. And just give me your plans, and I'll give you mine. Lay down your plans for him. And I'm not saying don't finish your degree. I'm not saying that. But he says, give me your plans, and I'll give you my plans. So it's like Jeremiah. He's called, I called you a prophet from the womb, and Jeremiah didn't know it. And then one day, Jeremiah was talking to God because he was had a conversation with God. Then he realized what he was always born to do. Before the, before the world was created, he had a plan for your life. Just like Moses, you're going to see a burning bush. Just like Moses, you're going to have an encounters with him. And he turned to Side. Moses turned aside from what he was normally doing to something that was divine. And you're going to start walking into word divine. So I thank you. We can all begin to walk in those divine times. Moses said, let me turn aside to this burning bush. Jesus was the angel, the Lord in the bush. He was crying out. He's in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. He's in the Torah. He's in the New Testament. There's a scarlet cord of hope runs through Genesis to Revelation. So I thank you. As we spend time with you, we're not checking off a list. I prayed for 30. I went to church. Help us to know you more. Help me to know you more, God. Why have you forsaken me? And the Father turned away from Jesus so he could turn to us. Because the blood fully satisfies. Amen? You guys are dismissed. Have a great week. And just be mindful of those times he's pulling you aside. And even if you don't, I don't sense it, I don't feel it, it's not about our feelings, but the feelings will come. Why? Because he loves you. He didn't just pay for you to go to heaven. He paid for you to embrace you. Amen.